One of my favorite things about doing this podcast is the fact that I get to meet new people, learn their story, and share it with the rest of the world. Listen in as I speak with Harv from Seek First Sports as he explains his journey through the sports world today on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Guru! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Game Time Guru. I'm your host, Shane Larson, as you know. And before we get started, you guys know the drill. I want you to go over to iTunes, find the review section, give me a quick five-star review if you can, the rating, and then leave me like a one-sentence review. It really helps me out if you can do that. But you can also find me on any social media plugins such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever. And if you want to find the links to those, I'll put them here in the description so it's easier for you to go straight there. Find me there and uh, follow the show. It'd be greatly appreciated if you could share this with your friends as well. Now today, as you heard in the introduction, I want to kind of allow people to tell their story to the audience. And I'm joined by a good friend of mine who I met through podcasting in the podcasting community his name is Harv from Seek First Sports, and Harv, I appreciate you, you know, teaming up with me. It's been a hectic time trying to get us to get our schedules to correlate, but I appreciate you joining me today, man. Hey, no problem at all, man. Glad to do it, bro. I know we've uh, talked a lot back and forth via call-ins and, and different topics on East Asia, man, but definitely glad we're getting able to do it right now, bro. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. So it, it, for the audience, just to get a quick brief, like, overview of who you are could you describe yourself in like one sentence if you could describe yourself in one sentence what would that be one sentence uh i'm probably gonna have to combine two things which are bad random bro but i probably i probably talk and listen about the same amount but a lot of people probably would say <laughs> that i talk too much and some would probably say that I don't talk enough. So <laughs> I'm probably one person that listens and talks equally. And obviously with this, this uh, anchor station, this outlet has been great. I get to do a little bit of both of those things. So that works out. That's awesome. And so I guess, de- yeah, depending on the uh, setting, that's actually a really good thing because if you're in a professional setting where you need to listen and you've got that attribute, that's great. If you need to talk, you got that as well. So I guess you got the best of both worlds as long as you utilize it correctly, right? Definitely, man. And that's, and that's the aim, of course. <laughs> awesome, man. So we, we've referenced Seek First Sports a couple of times already. Can you explain what is Seek First Sports? Yeah, I can, man. So it kind of has come about through a few different mediums. Uh, growing up, childhood, really military brat. Uh, I do have a family that is that, that has a faith in God, which is huge. So it's kind of based off of a Bible scripture um, in Matthew, about, about seek, seeking first the kingdom of God, and all other things will be added to you. So that's the base of it. But being a baseball player, I mean, it's a baseball term as well. Seek first. I mean, you want to get on first base. You want to make things happen. Um, in life, baseball has taught me a lot about life, and there's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs in the game. And it's the same thing. The first priorities make the first things first. Family, um, job, work, making sure there's food on the table. So for me, it's, it's a bit of a mantra as well, um, just to make sure that I'm putting the right things first in my life and 
I have an opportunity now to talk about sports and share my experience playing sports um, with with some young men from the ages of probably about eight to thirteen right now, and on through high school and college age. That's so awesome, man! It's cool to hear that because I actually didn't know um, where you came up with the name. So it's cool to see that you like you have the correlation between your faith, you know, and and your passion of baseball, and then how it correlates with life in general. So that's awesome to hear that you uh, put that together, and that's where the the name of your station came from. That's awesome, man. Definitely, man. Yeah, it is. It's been the aim for for the jump. A uh, buddy of mine and I came up with it a couple of years ago. I, I started using it actually as a PlayStation agency first, and it just kind of stopped, man. <laughs> That's great, dude. So, where can everybody find you? Your your Seek First Sports Talk. Where can they find you at? So you can find me Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Seek First Sports. Um, on Facebook, it's a little bit different. As it is here on Anchor, you can almost also find the Seek First Sports here on Anchor. But we're at Seek First Sports everywhere else except for Facebook. We do have a Seek First Sports page, um, but I have a personal account on there, and it's just Seek and then first spelled out. So first name Seek, last name first, as it were, F-I-R-S-T. My shout-out to the audience is to make sure you go and follow him. Um, I actually follow him on Instagram, which is kind of cool because I get to see the behind-the-scenes footage of your of your coaching and stuff like that. It's kind of see the it's kind of cool to see the personal realm of things to see how your you know how your your teams are doing, the young men, which we'll get into here in a little bit. So I encourage everybody to go follow him on social media. Find him here on Anchor. Uh, we'll be posting this on Anchor as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, wherever. But go find him on his Anchor station, and and uh, you can follow him. And if you guys have Anchor. You can call in, and he'll interact with you. I promise you that. So, Harv, let's get to know you a little bit deeper, right? Um, we already know how, how you came up with Seek First Sports, but I want to know, you know, in, in regards to sports, who your teams are. Aren't you from the Bay Area or around there? And uh, aren't you a 49ers fan? Yeah, man. So I am in, actually in Sacramento, a city uh, just outside, east of Sacramento, um, called Antelope. It's in Antelope, California. So I'm in, in Northern California since been a long time. We got back from Germany in 1991. Uh, like I was saying earlier, my dad was a military brat, so I was going to be a senior in high school, and my dad did not want me to have to start all over at baseball. He was getting transferred back to the East Coast in North Carolina, so I ended up staying with my high school baseball coach my senior year of high school, and I've been here ever since, aside from leaving to play uh, baseball while I did that, so in high school, college, and uh, some professionally. So um, I am a Niners fan. We are struggling bad. I know. I don't know what the final result was today, but I'm pretty sure we lost. I think we were down 14 nothing the last time I saw before our last game with our 12-year-old team, man. So in Sacramento, I went to play from sophomore through, um, through my senior year of high school here, actually, was going to go to a private school, Santa Clara University in the Bay, in the Bay Area. Um, ended up getting a last-minute call from the coach at Sacramento State University. That's why I ended up going to college. Got drafted there, played some pro ball, and now I am finally ready to get back to the game, man. In regards to the 49ers, let me just touch base on that. Uh, they did indeed lose, but it was actually a really, really close game. It came down to the very end, and you guys – had Bathard, I think is how you pronounce his name, playing quarterback, and he's the rookie from Iowa. <laughs> yes, 
and he was killing it. So I'm actually impressed with how he played. He actually almost pulled him into a comeback, ended up losing on the final drive. Uh, wasn't any fault of his, I don't think. But, yeah, they're, they're struggling. My, my question for you, though, as a Niners fan, <laughs> question for you as a Niners fan here, Harv, your um, your team, I've, I've mentioned this before a long time ago on Anchor, but the the organization itself, that's the biggest implosion I've ever seen of any, any organization from front to back. I mean, we're talking from the leadership up in the front office all the way down to the best players you had on offense and defense, all deciding that they were going to call it quits within the same offseason. Have you, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how, how do you handle that as a Niners fan? Man, it was it was tough, man. And I, I think for me, I think with this the same year we lost Ayapati, our offensive lineman to Arizona. And then the big one for for me was when Pat Willis decided to retire. He had had the issues with his feet. He ended up telling people later he had been hurt. And then in your mind, you're like, oh, you know what? He had a great career. I get why he's calling it this, but we still have Chris Borland in there who had like, almost 150 tackles in his absence, and then he retires, and Justin Smith retires. And then, of course, we had what was going on with Harbaugh and Trent Falke and then Chip Kelly coming in, and we're thinking things are going to go in a better direction, especially for cap sake. But, I mean, none of it ended up working out, man. I know uh, Chip wanted to get back Preston, back Prescott last year. Falke didn't want to. And obviously he wouldn't have been what he is behind that line in Dallas, but, I mean, you, you would like to see that, man. Um, it was hard to watch, and it's one of those things where, as a fan, I think uh, I probably have somewhat of a unique perspective, even though I haven't played football. I had an opportunity to play in high school, but made a mistake and didn't get to play, and another life lesson, obviously. But I, I look at things a little bit differently, like all four teams that are left in baseball right now. I'm a Giants fan. In baseball, we had a terrible year, but I can't. There's, I think the NLCS game, too, is, has started right now. I can't wait to take part in that game. And I think just at the end of the day, bro, when it comes down to the Niners, they're going to have to start over. And they did it by cleaning house after the, the said implosion that she just talked about. Um, I loved it. They gave Lynch and Shanahan six years. And I wouldn't mind seeing – I said it a couple of weeks ago, but I wouldn't mind seeing C.J. Starr. You kind of see everything happening now with Bowman and sounds like we're shopping high. You have 37 new bodies on the field this year that, that weren't there last year. You have undrafted free agents. I expected it. Honestly, I thought we were going to double our wins to six. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. But I think seeing the youth grow, seeing the defense grow, I think the defense is going to be really good once we add a couple pieces to the secondary. Love the front seven. I think we have some pieces offensively, even with the undrafted uh, rookies that we have, Bourne and uh, I always forget this kid's name. I know Bourne, and I'll think of it by the end of the conversation, I hope. Um, but if I don't, it's all good. <laughs> Niners fans, <laughs> Niners fans know who I'm talking about. But I just think it's where the point right now, I say throw CJ in there, man. Everyone looks at his senior year in Iowa. Um, I say if you have a chance, pull up his – his uh, junior year uh, highlight, and look what he did there. I think he lost a couple pieces, lost offensive linemen. Kittle was still there, but uh, he killed it his junior year. So I think he has what it takes to be able to, to make some plays and might as well put him in there because we know they're, they're saying there's about five QBs in this draft, and it looks like we're going to get our hands on one of them. So we'll see what happens with that, man. Hard to watch. 
um, especially after coming off about three or four years of playing some really good football, NFC championships, the Super Bowl against the Ravens. But we're starting over, man. The, the division looks like it's starting over. The, the Rams are, are leading the pack, man. I don't know what they did today. I know they had a win against the Jags, but we'll see what happens, man. From one of the best divisions to arguably middle of the pack, we'll see what happens, brother. In regards to the quarterback situation, uh, next season, do you take one in the draft? If so, who is it? Or do you try to get, you know, the, the rumor was getting Kirk Cousins, do you, you know, pay the $30 million plus that he's going to be asking for? You know, it's, um, uh, it's kind of a coin flip for me. Obviously, I like Darnold, man. I'd hate to see him skip over another California kid like we did, that Aaron Rodgers guy in Green Bay. Um, if we If we draft one, I'd like to see that. Going into this season, I really, really wanted Cousins. He's been with Shanahan before. He knows the system. Um, I just don't know, man. It sounds like his wife really likes CC. Uh, it, it sounds like he wants to, uh, stability. But I mean, sign a long time contract here, you can get stability too, man. Uh, going in, what is he? Twenty nine right now. I wouldn't mind signing into a four or five year deal, man. Um, if I had to. Even though it's a coin flip, if I had to choose, I'd want Cousins, man. I think he's better than some give him credit for. I know some people love him, and some people think that he's not all that. But it's, it's kind of the NFL of a system quarterback, man. As good as Brady is, I'm going to throw it out there and say that his, a lot of it has to do with Belichick in the system. Is he not a great quarterback? Of course he is. I think he could do it almost anywhere. But I think it's the same thing with Cousins, man. When when Hoyer's on and making the right reads and not predetermined, I think you get glimpses of what Shanahan's offense could look like, but you're dealing with a career backup that has been a spot starter. So uh, Cousins for the win, if we end up having to draft one because Cousins stays put, then make it Arnold, man, get him in San Francisco. I, I respect that. It's an interesting look at it. I'm not a huge Cousins fan. I'm not a huge Cousins fan at all. Like I, I'm a Cowboys fan, can't stand Cousins. I'm an Ohio State fan, still couldn't stand Cousins in college. So like I've had to, I've had to hate him since day one. But you know what? If he's the best, you know, like you said, system quarterbacks sometimes that helps out. Um, if you're in the right system, you can flourish. So going into the next segment here, I, I want to talk about your your coaching experience real quick. So you coach some youth. I want you to talk about that. Like you, you told me earlier today that you you were coaching. I think the 12, 12 U boys. Um, if you could, you know, what got you into coaching? Explain to the audience what what got you into coaching and what you love the most about it. All right, will do, man. I actually just started up this year in January. Had a couple friends that have been trying to get me to do it. For years, and I'm finally ready, man. Uh, in truth, and we'll get into it when we talk about football a little bit, um, it was a little tough to even watch baseball for quite a while after playing it. Um, finally got over myself um, a couple years ago, just not really having the time. Um, things ended up happening this year, and it was a choice I probably made in about six to eight weeks. Sat down and talked to my wife about it. There was some apprehension because you love that that safety net and stability, um, and it was going to be taking a step out. So in January, I started coaching 15-year-olds, and I ended up coaching a mix of 14 and 15, seeing some of the younger age from 10 to 10 to 13. Um, I currently coach 12 and 13-year-olds. Uh, 12-year-old is the last year they see the smaller field. 13, they transition into bigger fields. Um, and for me, more than anything, 
from seeing 15-year-olds play that are basically high school players, freshmen and sophomores, uh, I saw a lot of baseball players, not just on my team, and it's not that we didn't have guys on our team that couldn't play, but I saw a lack of fundamentals and basics in the game that I'm like, man, how come they don't know this? And I'm thinking in my mind, these are freshmen and sophomores. They're behind the eight ball. So in my mind, I'm like, I need to get to 10 to 13-year-olds and prepare them for high school baseball. And it just so happened that I ran into someone. I actually interviewed him up here on the station, Alex Smith, the best baseball who I was with today. That's basically how his philosophy lines up. He's just trying to prepare guys to get to the next level. So you end up having high school players. You want to get into college ball, uh, Division One, Division Two, NAI. You just want to keep playing baseball. Give yourself an opportunity, even if it's just to pay for some of your schools. So that's my main motivation is I've kind of had my shine in the game, especially here in Sacramento, successful high school and college career, and then up getting drafted. And I'm just at the point I don't feel even seat first. It's awesome, but it, I don't have to have that shining in life. I really just want to see good quality baseball, young baseball players in the Sacramento area. So that's my main motivation. Working with the youth, anytime you're coaching, I'm sure it's really cool to – you know, just see them develop. Like you said, just you're, you're developing these these young men into something bigger. So it's it's really cool to see that you're doing that, um, helping that the, that that generation out. Um, I want to talk about your professional career. We've referenced it a few times already. Um, you said you got drafted. Explain the whole process from the time you were in high school to the time you you went to college, and then the time you got drafted into to the pros. Like, explain that process and how it all worked for you and maybe how it compares to others, I guess, because I'm not familiar with the process. Gotcha. Will do so. I mean, even in high school, um, if you're even a decent baseball player or you're playing against high school teams that have good baseball players, there's going to be some bird dog scouts out there that are just kind of looking to see if there's players with ability every now and then they'll – and someone else saying if the, if the kid is a stud. So Sacramento, the Sacramento area, when I play, which is part of the reason I want to coach now, high school baseball, it seems like it has dropped off quite a bit from when I was in high school. Um, and it seems like that's the consensus with all the coaches. So as a high school player playing in front of scouts, you know, you end up being a little bit nervous at times. So like, oh, this the Yankees guy is here or the Cubs guy is here. And you end up playing – with a lot of good players, you end up playing against a lot of good players. And it's completely different now because they play, in my opinion, way too many games without practicing. But that's what you're, you're playing to try to get drafted or you're playing to try to get college scouts' attention as well. So, I mean, there's three junior colleges right here in Sacramento that Sacramento kids can go to. There is Sacramento State. There's UC Davis. Berkeley's an hour away, so – you're trying to get to the next level. And at, at high school, unless you're in a stag, if you don't go in, I say, the top 20 rounds, you, it's probably your best bet to go ahead and go to college and refine your skills a little bit more. The only reason I say top 20, you're going to make enough money and signing bonus to kind of make it a few years. And if you develop, then you're going to be knocking on the door, double A, triple A, the major league. So I say there's a bonus to try and do it if you get drafted that high just because you're going to be getting – taught by college, not college, by a pro-level scout. So, um, once for me, I got drafted like in the 60th round or 50th round by the Dodgers. So, and I had a pretty good high school career, but I was 150 pounds, soaking wet, 5'9", 
not a real big guy, and they probably wanted to see what I was going to do. So I ended up, like I said, almost going to Santa Clara, ended up going to Sac State, decent freshman year, really didn't even touch the field until my 17th game that year. Um, junior year, had a pretty solid year, first half, fell off the second. And then the third, and it's, you're going into to your junior year at a four-year university, his draft year for you, so it's you have to do what you have to do. And being at Tech State, we played things like Stanford, Cal Berkeley here, um, in the Big West back then, Long Beach State, Cal State, Fuller System, pretty good baseball teams, and I knew I had to perform against those teams. And it was just, honestly for me, man, I just, it was a blessing my last year. Um, double turned into home runs. I ended up uh, getting the home run record at my in my college that year in 1997 when I got drafted, and it's, it's still there because of the bats that they use now, it's probably going to be standing. So that's pretty awesome, man. And from going in high school in the 50th or something round and then hearing that you have a chance to be uh, drafted in the top ten rounds um, out of a Division One university, it's a pretty good accomplishment. A lot comes along with that, um, especially when you're, you're in school, you know you're leaving early, uh, I, I would probably make some different decisions in in my classes. Instead of having one semester left, I'll have a semester and a half left, and I'll just keep it there for those that can read between the lines. But um, it, it's a process where teams want to work you out. They want to compare you to other players in Northern California that play the same position. Uh, there was a kid from USF, Jermaine Clark, that got drafted in the fifth round right before me, and I was drafted in the sixth round. I'm like, wait a second, we're both second basemen. And as I thought, the Mariners were the only team that worked us both out together because we played against each other in high school. He was in Vacaville area, which is about 30, 40 minutes away. And uh, with them drafting him in front of me, obviously they probably liked him a little bit more. And Seattle was the only team that had me throw from the outfield. So in my mind, I'm thinking I moved into the outfield, which I was okay with, and they did something completely different and moved me to third base. And anyone that knows anything about baseball, Alex went through it. Going from the middle of that baseball field to the corners is its not the most comfortable position, especially on a field that isn't very good. So uh, it was an experiment at third base. Um, I still ended up getting a little bit better there and playing some games there, playing up the middle, um, and a lot of center field as well on occasion, the corners. But um, it's a process that realistically, after playing in the Little League World Series at 15 years old, I kind of got a taste of that caliber of baseball, and uh, I always wanted to do it. came here to Sacramento, California, and I played varsity as a sophomore and went to Sac State, got drafted in the sixth round my junior year, man. So it was it was a good journey, learned a lot, <laughs> learned a whole lot through at that time. Um, but I go through it all over again. Obviously changing some things, but I do it all over again. So. That's so awesome, man. Now, when you get into the pros, you got there. Talk about how – the transition was for your life. What was it like? What was life like for a, a young man like yourself? I would assume you were in your early twenties, um, and and you're now you're in the professional level, trying to do this. Like, what was the the whole thing like in the minors? Uh, man, a hundred miles an hour thing. Like, man, at least for me, it was. Uh, I'll say it was like college on steroids, man. Uh, you, when you went on the road in college, it was a little bit different, obviously. On occasion, we would fly. We flew out to Hawaii every year. Sometimes it's a bus trip. And you're used to staying in hotels, but 55-game college season and then 140-game minor league season at the most, two days off during the month. 
you get up, you work out, you know, you get breakfast if you're on the road, you eat breakfast if you're at home, you hit the gym, you're at the baseball field anywhere between 2 and 4 p.m., getting early work in, hitting ground balls, running, seeing the trainer, anything you have to do to prepare for batting practice and field outfield practice, um, and then for the likes to go on at 7 or 7.15 on occasion playing day games. Um, i say it's, it's pretty, I was a guy that, as we may end up talking about, I know that you know, I spent a lot of time in my room, man, just like college playing video games, kind of hanging out. I wasn't a huge party animal because of my upbringing. It was a lot on occasion, but um, it was a lot like being in college, but it was for a much longer duration, man. Uh, so you end up, I mean, some, some restless nights. You get uh, kind of bored being in small spaces and hotel rooms and whatnot. But uh, uh, if you've been to college, you get a glimpse of it. Um, I'd say if you went to a bigger university in Alabama, Ohio State, even Boise State, you guys are huge in football. Um, I would liken it probably to uh, your football team there at Boise State. That kind of, so those players probably get a similar experience. So compare the like um, the the fans in the college game that you, like when you would go on the road. What was what's the comparison between the fans and the game day atmosphere to maybe that of the minors? Because here in Boise we have a minor league you know baseball team, and I mean they don't get a ton of fans. They they do a good job at like the stadium's really small to get begin with. But I just want to see what your thoughts are. Like do do people care more about the college side or the the minor league side in your opinion? Yeah, I would say depending where you are, a lot of probably low A and high A ball teams. Depending on the city, man, um, I played two years in Lancaster, California, where it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, we would get two to 3,000 a night. Same in Appleton, Wisconsin, we'd have three, 4,000 a night. And it, it was, you could tell it was big there, but there are places that there's not a college real close. You have to travel far to get to a college game. Um, I actually played against that Boise team my first year I was in Everett, Washington, so we would go up to Boise. That was like a 13-hour ride from us. Um, Boise State, <laughs> guaranteed Boise State football is a whole lot bigger than Boise State. Boise's uh, minor league baseball team, which when I played there it was a short season A-ball team with the, uh, with the Angels. It may still be, I'm not sure. Um, but you think about college game day for baseball is kind of the, the stepchild of the, the big three, man. Um, it's always been that way. Um, I played basketball growing up. I didn't start playing baseball until I was 12. So football is huge. Basketball is huge. I mean, even college. The College World Series doesn't get the, the kind of press that it should. It's been better, I'd say, probably the last eight to ten years, so I will say that. Um, I remember I was looking at Zach State play games on TV. Like, man, that would have been pretty cool back in the day. But um, fans probably are bigger depending on the city. There may be one or two, especially double-A, triple-A clubs that do really well. The Sacramento Rivercats here in Sacramento are, are huge. And I'd say they're probably bigger than Sacramento State football and basketball, same with UC Davis. Um, it probably depends on where you are. Boise State, definitely college football over the baseball team right I totally understand that now before like this might be one of the last questions we talk about but I kind of want you to explain I kind of want you to explain maybe what the the toughest part about being in the minors is because you hear a lot of people talk about it like and you'll see movies they put together where like 
the players go into the minors, and everyone has the ultimate goal of, of making it to the majors. They they want to make it big. Well, I, I I mean, I guess to the public, it seems like that's the ultimate goal for everybody. I'm not sure if that truly is the ultimate goal for everybody, but I mean, it's it seems like it's a grind because you have all these levels of the minors, and everyone's trying to improve and get better, but you hear that the pay's not always that great. It's a grind. But what what's the toughest part about being in the minors and battling through everything to try to get to your ultimate goal? What was the toughest thing you faced? Probably um, being able to deal with <laughs> not getting upset over things you can't control. I mean, you're seeing the ball well. You're feeling like you should be promoted, but the guy in front of you is seeing it just as well, and you can't promote if the guy in front of you is doing well. So I think along with the grind, along with the pay, you're right. I mean, you make some good money if you get drafted high enough, but you're really playing to get to the big leagues, man. And I think more than anything is having a short memory, and that's something I'm trying to pass to the boys because if you wear stuff, if you hold on for it too long, and obviously you hear it's not all the blame isn't on how games are set up, but it does become political. And there's if you know the right people, it benefits you. If you're related to somebody, it benefits you. And trying to deal with that, I think, on a day-in, day-out basis when you when it's so clear and in front of you. And I came up in a time, I'll just be frank with you, where PEDs were huge, man. I played from 97 to 01 in the minor leagues. And without saying anything, I was in locker rooms and a lot of guys were doing it. Um, I was so point blank that that was my ticket to get there and I just I couldn't bring myself to do it and some people could and they were rewarded for it man and, and I feel like the game kind of turned an eye to it because baseball wasn't doing so well and at the end of the day it is what it is but it's again something that you don't have control over you don't have control over being drafted to the Mariners and you're a middle infielder and Griffey, A-Rod and Brent Boone are there in their prime so it just happens, you know what I mean? And I basically got pushed out because we traded uh, Griffey to the Reds, cleaned out their farm system, traded A-Rod to the Rangers, cleaned out their farm system, and I had been there four years and just got pushed out. And then I'm playing in the, independently. So it, it helps you learn a lot about life. Unfortunately, in my case, I learned it after the fact. So I'm trying to put guys in the right position now when it goes back to the coaching thing. You know what? There's going to be things that happen. You have no control over. You have to learn to accept failure. You have to learn to accept things that you can't control. And those are important things when you're on the road as much as you are. Um, your roommate is your roommate, but at the same time, he's he might be competing at shortstop and second baseman to get promoted before you do. So um, it, it's kind of juggling all that with the, with the other factors that you don't have control over. You can only control what you can control. Go out, play hard every day, bust your butt at work, but at the end of the day, it may not be enough. And baseball, in my opinion, more than any other sport, um, obviously NBA has the D League now. You have the Canadian League and stuff like that for football. But baseball has always been a structure where, in in uh, in an essence, there are four to five steps to make it to the big leagues. There's some guys that are fast track, but it doesn't happen to a lot, man. And some people can, at 26, I decided to hang them up. You know what I mean? Different factors for different things. But there's guys that have played to 28, 29, 30 years old and made it to the big league. So those are the ones that persevere through whatever they had to persevere through when they kept grinding, man. I appreciate you actually sharing all that with me because with the 
the whole PED discussion, it's, I guess it's the same concept for anything, uh, no pun intended here, but you kind of have to play the game within the game. Like you have to play the game if you kind of want to promote. You see, <laughs> you see it in businesses, you see it at any corporation, like the ones who tend to, you know, get the upper hand are the ones who play the game, quote unquote. So it's like, if you're not going to do that, you know, whether it's against your, your, you know, ethics, your morals, whatever. Um, unfortunately, sometimes it's just how it, how the business works, but it's cool that like you're a man of faith. So I think it's like, it's cool to see how much of a blessing it is now because you can, you can use your experiences that you had in the, the professional realm and pass that on to the young guys that you're, that you're coaching. I think that's awesome. Yeah, man. And, and again, at the end of the day for me, that's, that's my aim, man. I do. I want to see just as I stated, man, when I say I want to see better baseball in Sacramento, I mean it, but it's for me, I tell the parents all the time, uh, there's two teams that I basically run and there's another one that I'm helping out with. And I just, I tell them straight up. I was like, at the end of the day, it's you have to butt your butt and do the right things. And I've already experienced this game. I have a wealth of experience and failure, which you're going to experience in this game. I mean, again, three out of 10 is not successful anywhere else really <laughs> except for baseball. You know what I mean? And, to know that you have another opportunity. I see so many kids swing at a pitch and miss, and I'm like, and they're stomping and they're hanging their heads. I'm like, wait a second, dude. He didn't strike out. He didn't fly out. He's down 0-1, but his at-bat is already over. I'm like, it's not the end of the world. Have a shorter memory. Go to the next pitch, and guess what? You're not not out. You're still in the batter's box. Let's go, but – the youth sports is interesting, man. Um, it, it may be because I've been away from it for, for so long, but I don't know what it, if it's the, the the video games. I only get them for like three to five minutes, bro. Um, and any, I tell my kids this all the time, if I can get any of you guys to listen and retain information after that three to five minute mark, then you guys are going to be great. If you guys can get to six to eight minutes, six to ten minutes, of really listening and grasping what I'm trying to tell you guys, it'll help, man. And you see some get it. You see some of their faces light up when something clicks. And that's the aim at the end of the day, bro. I've kind of been there, done that. I'm not boasting in any way, but I, I can help your kids get better and I can help them approach the game the right way. Because end of the day, it's probably about 90, 95% mental, man. It's between the ears. And at 10, 11, 12 years old, sometimes you don't get that. Absolutely, man. And I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, I, I expect to continue following you on Instagram and, and seeing your, your stories and how things work. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, excited and, and anxious in a good way to see the fruits of your labor, like with the, the youth sports that you're coaching. I want to see how the baseball in Sacramento kind of improves and develops over the next, you know, two, three, four years, see how it improves. So I'm, ex- I'm excited to see it, man. So good work um, to finish up here, Harv. We'll, we'll go off topic real quick. We're going to talk about Madden for just maybe a minute. I kind of want to talk about this because you made me laugh. When <laughs> when I follow you on like Anchor and Instagram, all that, Like it makes me laugh because in a sense, I'm very similar to you and, and some things. Like I always see you posting about Madden. Um, do you ever play like online against anybody else? Like, Or do you just do, you do the season? Because I know you do something on Twitch and you're playing with the, <laughs> with the Niners or something. But do you ever play online? So that's what I'm doing, bro. I actually stopped playing this game about two and a half years ago. I played with the – it's basically an online league. All 32, all 32 teams are user-owned. We do trades. You know what I mean? There's a draft. You have to scout players. It's, it's literally the whole nine, man. So 
when you see me pop up on Anchor, when you see me pop up on Twitch, nine times out of ten, it is an official league game. Like, we've been going for about, I think I was with them for six years to two years also. This is year nine or ten. I believe that we've been doing this. And there's a core of about 26, 27 guys. We're always kind of rotating some guys here and there, and you get a couple more to stick. But um, I've been – I got into online gaming, man, years ago, man. Call of Duty, Battlefield, MLB The Show. Took the Twins to the World Series one time. I just – it's one of those things, man. I started playing video games as a kid. I'm 42 years old now, and it's it's crazy because it's – I laugh at what you can pass on. Like, I love music. I love video games, and I produce the son that is exactly – he does some of the same random mannerisms and everything. It's nuts, man. But I I play with him now. I started playing again to kind of play with him, and um, he had a PS3. I had a PS4, so I just ended up getting back in. They hit me up this year, the commissioner from the league, like, Harvey, you want to get the, get back in the league and get your Niners? And I had the Falcons last time because I had taken the time off. But I got the Niners, and obviously they're not the Niners anymore. If you've seen them, I made a bunch of trades. I have some of the young guys still there. But we're in year two, and my team is struggling, man. Uh, I was kind of chronicling my return <laughs> after the two-year layoff, man. I went to I went to the NFC Championship like four out of seven seasons the last I was there, so I knew what I was kind of walking back into, man. And it's just the game's similar. Uh, there are some changes, and it's just rough out there right now. I went seven and nine last year. I think I'm like one and six right now, but I will have a winning season next season. You heard it here first. Here we come. <laughs> yes, I love it, man. I appreciate you, Harv. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, before we go, do you have any final words in regards to anything we spoke about today? Uh, not too much. Just that any young athletes out there listening, man. Have a short memory. There's there's things you can control, effort, being on time. Uh, There's things we can't give you, want, um, that grit. But end of the day, breathe, have fun, enjoy it. It's not that serious. It's it's just a game. Uh, We played in a tournament last week with one of my my 13-year-old teams. And I told them from the beginning, I don't care about wins and losses. Yes, I want to win. Yes, it'd be cool to get a trophy or two, but I have a bunch of those that are collecting dust right now at the end of the day. I said, so for me, I want you guys to come out here, enjoy it, have fun, make some lasting memories, and just get better every day. If you're getting better, one, wins are going to come, but if you're getting better, that's my aim. I want to see you guys play at the next level if you decide to do so, and that's what we're here for, man. So anyone playing youth sports, Keep pushing. Find a place that pushes you. Find a place that gives you the tools that you need, not just not to just go and play tournaments all the time, but actually develops your kids into good athletes or guys that may not be athletic. There's lots of things you can do with some uh, SST, some specific uh, sports training to, to get better. So keep that in mind. That's all I got, folks. Appreciate you, Harv. You guys, you know where to find him. Seek First Sports. You can find him, like he said, on all of his social media outlets. Go to the beginning of the show. You can hear exactly how to find him, where you can find him at. And uh, for all you listeners, this is the Game Time Guru. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week.